Oh, Father, we're so thankful tonight. That we're so, first of all, my goodness, how awesome it is to know the Lord. What a privilege it is. What an honor it is that we get to know God and that you know us. And tonight we just take comfort. Whatever's going on in our lives, whatever's happening in the world around us, one thing that we know is that our lives are hid in Christ and that you fully encompass us. And not only that, you know everything that's going on around us and you've already already made provision for every need. You've already, oh my goodness, you've already planned a way of escape. You have already become our savior, our rescuer, our deliverer, our redeemer. So we just thank you tonight for redemption, oh, for saving us and delivering us. Thank you for that. And Father, we just tonight, we just rest in you. We just have this time of gathering together and we rest in you knowing, Father, that you're working in us and you're working through us, that tonight we're just going to continue to be empowered, to be strengthened in our inner man, that we're going to just continue to grow in the knowledge and understanding of the Lord and and what you have for us and how you want to use us in this earth. Father, I pray tonight that your people will be empowered all from on high, from the strengthening, that strengthening power that's within us, that we'll be strengthened with mighty power in our inner man. Thank you for that. And Father, I just bless you tonight. We bless you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Well, um, as you know, we have on Wednesday nights, we do empowerment training, which basically means in a nutshell that we gather here and for the um, time that we have together, we focus on um, really what is God's mission for us as believers? What does God want to do through us? What is God, um, how can we work better with him? How can we align our lives with him, with his word, with the Holy Spirit, with his leading in our lives? How can we align ourselves with him to allow him to work out his plan through us? Because we are the key to God's plan in the earth. We, God's people, his body, the body of Christ, we are the key. We are essential to the plan of God being carried out in the earth because he works through people. I, I, I don't know how he came up with the idea to work through people, but he did. He came up with this awesome plan to work through people like you and me and to reach this world with this glorious gospel of Jesus to do it through us. And not only to to reach with a message, but reach people with power and reach people with um, signs and wonders and demonstrations and transformation and deliverance and all of the things that we see in the ministry of Jesus, he's still doing those things through his people. So that's the aim of what this is about on Wednesday nights. And so one important, um, and, and that's not the right word, one absolutely vital part of our life as life givers, as people who work with God in the earth, bring, you know, seek to bring forth the kingdom wherever we go, is prayer. And our prayer lives and allowing God to um, pray through us as we pray in the spirit, but also just our prayer lives of praying his word. This is a vital part of what we do as believers. And we aren't just learning methods and we're not just learning, you know, memorizing a script or 
just learning if you do this, say this. That's not what this is about. This is about God guiding us and leading us and working through us. And prayer is the time we spend communicating with him, talking to him, him talking to us, him um, showing us what we need to see, bringing light to the inner man. And so tonight I'm going to just talk about some things that I think will, well, forget forget I think will help you these things definitely will help you if you will if you'll grasp and and then begin to apply what we're going to talk about but this particular thing is not anything new to most of you but last um Friday morning last Friday morning I was training I was doing um training DMM training with our partners in India so they live in Katak India and um it uh, had something interesting happen so I came to the lesson we were on lesson number 10 so I go in my manual that I'm using to train them from. We're on um, Zoom. So they're video and audio, and there we are. And I'm meeting with them. It's just thank God for technology. And so we're, we're talking and sharing about some things that have been happening. And they've been getting after it. I'm, I'm going to tell you, Robert, there's some really great stuff that's been happening. God's been doing some really awesome things um, with them and enabling them to really start reaching numbers of hindu people so it's been really awesome but anyway so we're talking about those things we're training together um, talking together and as i started to open the book i just just closed the book and set it aside and i had never done this in all these times we've been training and instead i just opened the bible and i said y'all we're not going to do the lesson today we're going to do something else that i really feel and i didn't really know what it was and so we just started and so i'm going to just do with you what i did with them and i really believe that it wasn't just for them it was really for me and I think it's for us at this time and what God's leading us through. And so why don't we turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 9. And the reason that we're putting this up here is just so I can just write the verses down in case you don't get to write them down fast enough. should get someone who actually has good handwriting. Matthew chapter 9. And I'll abbreviate it. And so we're going to read, I'm going to read this in the Amplified um, tonight. You can, I just encourage you to read these verses in a number of different, a number of different translations. So Matthew 9, verse 35 through 38, and I'm reading in the Amplified, and it says, And Jesus went about all those cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news, the gospel of the kingdom, and curing all kinds of disease and every weakness and infirmity. And when he saw the throngs, he was moved with pity and sympathy for them because they were bewildered, harassed, distressed, dejected, helpless. Sounds like a lot of people we know. Sounds like the world in which we live. People who are bewildered, harassed, distressed, dejected, and helpless. Any of y'all seen anybody like this lately? Don't tell me you're like this. But there's definitely a world of people around us this way. They're like sheep without a shepherd. And so here's, when Jesus looked, and looked out and he saw this, here's what he did. Verse 37, he looked at his disciples. He said to his disciples, he's looking at this multitude of people that have problems, broken, messed up, harassed, the enemy's having his way with them. And Jesus, he says to his disciples, the harvest indeed is plentiful. Now, I just want to stop right there. How funny that Jesus looked, hey, Eddie, that Jesus looked at the harassed and the broken here, the distressed, dejected, and helpless. Because it lists here that I guess Matthew was writing this because that's what he saw when he looked. 
you know, Matthew, this is the gospel of Matthew, his account. And so Matthew writes, they are, you know, bewildered, harassed, distressed, dejected, and helpless. But Jesus, when he looked at that, he didn't say, here are the harassed and whatever. What Jesus thought was something different. What did Jesus say? What, what did he say? The harvest is indeed plentiful. Jesus looked at those people that Matthew saw as harassed, and they were. If we saw them, that's what we would say. They were harassed, distressed, dejected. They were a mess. These people that were broken and messed up, like many of us when Jesus found us. Well, all of us when Jesus found us. But he looked at them, and he did not see what we see often or what humanity usually sees. What Jesus saw was a harvest. Do you see this? He saw something different. He saw people in a different way. He saw people that are messed up, people that have lots of problems, they're distressed, they're in a bad way, people in a bad way. But Jesus didn't look and say, look, all those people in a bad way, look how messed up they are, look how broken they are. And honestly, in the body of Christ, we spend a lot of time talking about the mess in the world around us. Jesus looked in the mess at, the, at the mess in the world around him, and he saw a harvest. He saw the potential. He saw this is somewhere God can work. He saw these are people that can be rescued. These, this, this is fruit for the kingdom. That's what he saw. This is fruit for the kingdom. And I wish the body of Christ would kind of get that mindset now because there's, you know, you hear at times people just talking about how terrible things are. And in the world around us, things legitimately are terrible as far as the condition of the souls of, of the people around us oftentimes. But what he saw was an opportunity. This is something where God can come in, he can work here, and he can bring forth what looks like, you know, what is a mess. And he can bring out of this a great harvest for the kingdom. And he said, so... The harvest indeed is plentiful. So that's the first thing is we've got to start looking around us and seeing something that we haven't necessarily seen. We've got to start seeing there's harvest around us. And the more, you know, bad news, the more brokenness, the more pain, suffering, harassment, the enemy working, darkness at hand, the more you see, instead of focusing on that being what it is, you should see, you know what I'm seeing here, potential for harvest. Here's harvest. Here's harvest. I'm looking at Lupe. Lupe's from Venezuela. And I'm telling you, when you look at Venezuela in a, in a natural sense, you think, talk about harassed and hardship. You know what is what God sees when he sees Venezuela? Harvest. There's a plentiful harvest. You understand? And so I'm talking with my Indian friends, my our partners in India. And... Uh, I'm telling you, they're in the midst of, we were over there a couple months ago. <laughs> if there was ever anywhere that I went and saw people harassed, distressed, dejected, helpless, and bewildered, it was there. I'm telling you, you, you don't even have to, you can just look out the window and see that. Driving in the car, you see it everywhere. But do you know, when I see the way God sees, I see harvest. Harvest. And that's what's really been happening to our Indian partners is they've been seeing something else, and now they, they're starting to see harvest. They're starting to see there's potential for the kingdom. So I want you to think about in your life, the people around you, the world around you, 
there is potential there. There is harvest for the kingdom. That's where God wants to stake a claim. He wants to bring. See, his power changes all of that description into a marvelous harvest for the kingdom. And we know what that will result in in the lives of those people. It'll be wholeness, soundness. It'll, it'll bring healing and restoration. And it'll, it'll, it'll bring abundance. It'll bring all of that into this harassed, distressed, dejected, and helpless state. You see this? So he said to him, look, I want you to see, uh, he's saying the harvest is indeed plentiful. The problem is not what you're looking at. We look at that and we think, oh, that's overwhelming. That's terrible. That's, what, are we, what can God ever do with that? Um, we will, actually, what we do is we just look at it and we're just really bothered by it and don't want anything to do with it because it's, it's offensive to us. When we look at darkness, darkness is so offensive to us. But he looked at it and said, <clears throat> he wasn't offended by it. He said, that darkness and what's going on there it, the, the harvest is indeed plentiful, and that is not the problem. That, all of that mess is not the problem. The problem is there aren't enough laborers. And, you know, this is 2,000 years ago. Jesus was saying that, and sad, sadly, 2,000 years later, we have the same problem. There is an abundant harvest. There is a plentiful harvest we would not have any problem tonight leaving this place and going out finding harassed, distressed, dejected, helpless people. I can take you right to them. What the problem is, is the laborers. We don't have enough laborers. The laborers are few. So that's what, you know, really, that's what Good News Church is about, is, is, is we, God has instructed us to do something about the great labor shortage. There's a great laborer shortage on planet Earth. And so we're attempting to do something about this laborer shortage. Now, there are people that are supposed to be laboring, but most of them have no idea they're supposed to be laboring. Hopefully, if you've been around here for any length of time, you figured out, hey, wait a minute, I am a laborer. I'm an ambassador. I'm a representative. I'm a believer, and I have a ministry as a believer. I have minister reconciliation. So... This is, this is it. So he sees this. The labors are few. And then in the next response he has is, so look, guys, this is what we need to do. We need to pray. So he sees the problem. He says, here, he, this actually is not the problem. The problem is the laborer problem. We have a shortage of laborers, labor shortage. And so we got to pray. We got to pray to the Lord of the harvest to force out laborers. I read this tonight in Amplified just because of the language that it uses. It says send out in most of our translations. But I like how the Amplified version just amps it up and, and really portrays the meaning of that word that's translated send. Send out. He says to force out and thrust laborers into his harvest. Now, I, I wonder why he would have to force out and thrust them out. Why do we need to pray that he would... Because in the Greek, that's really what it means. It, it means to thrust out. I guess like a mama bird, what we think of with a mama bird kicking the baby out of the nest. You know, it's, it's a, a force. It's a forceful thing. Wonder why he used that language that we would... It, it wasn't just like, you know, give them an invitation to go out. 
or, you know, send them notice they need to go out. It, it's, it's a kind of a violent word to force out and thrust them out into the harvest. Why do you think that that's what we need to pray for him to do? It's because the laborers are so comfortable entrenched in their seats in church. We're, you know, we're quite comfortable to just be here or even now we are not, laborers are not even generally necessarily even in church. Many of them are just home. And so it's, it's going to take, you know, some, some Holy Ghost, you know, a good Holy Ghost kick in the seat of the pants maybe to get people up and out. He's going to, he's going to have to work in people. There's going to need to be some motion and some power and some, some thrusting out and forcing. It's so interesting. And, you know, and sometimes people uh, say things like, well, you know, I, I wouldn't want to do, I'd never do that unless God forced me to. And, you know, normally we always say, well, God will never force you to do anything because he's a gentleman, you know, and he always respects your will. But in this, he's saying, let's pray that God will force people to do things. <laughs> and I don't, I mean, we all know that ultimately God doesn't force us to do things, but but, you know, he can, he can get you, get your attention and get you moving. Um, but it's good to cooperate with him. But this is his, his instruction, to pray to the Lord of the harvest, to force out and thrust laborers into his harvest. I wonder how many times we've read that verse in this, in this church. How many times do you think? Dozens and dozens and dozens of times, into the hundreds, if not the thousands, well into the hundreds. We've read this, certainly talked about it, certainly prayed about it. But tonight I'm reminding you again that when Jesus saw the multitudes in distress, he said there's a laborer shortage and we need to pray. That's the response he would have if he was here today. There's a laborer shortage. We need to pray. You need to pray for the Lord to thrust them out. So I would say to you, this needs to be a constant prayer in your life. And, and this is what people who are life givers would pray. If you, I mean, this is the first step in being a life giver. This is the first step in you making disciples. This is the first step in you starting to really embrace your, the ministry God has called you to as a believer. It is in praying and praying that God will thrust laborers out into the harvest field. He'll force them out. So that's something we should pray. So let's just take a minute here and let's do that. Can we do that? Let's just do that. You just pray. And write down this verse, but we're going to just pray that God will force them out and thrust them out. So, Father, we just come before you tonight. And we see today in our, in our world around us, y'all pray too. This isn't listen to Susie prayer. And, and we see in the world around us, we see very similar things that Jesus saw that day. And Jesus saw a harvest. And, Father, we just make that adjustment and we see a harvest. We recognize, man, oh, man, the potential for fruit that is all around here and even far. There is so much potential on planet Earth tonight for fruit. Oh, for all the, for the two million people, uh, two billion people have never even heard of Jesus. What precious fruit that is. But there's fruit right here in Augusta, Georgia. There's precious fruit. And so, Father, we see that today there is still a laborer shortage. And we ask you to do something about that that only you can do, which is thrust out laborers into this harvest field. Thrust out laborers. Force them out. Send them out in Jesus' name. We ask you to send out laborers into the harvest field. We ask you to thrust them out to deal with people as only you can deal with them. 
in a way that's meaningful to them, in a way that'll prick their hearts, in a way that'll get their attention, in a way that'll set a, li- uh, set, uh, set a fire under them, so to speak, that'll stir them up and be, cause them to be fervent in pursuit of fulfilling what you've called them to do as believers. Father, we pray for laborers to be sent. And Father, we know, we, we just, we know through, through natural means, through statistics that have been released about this nation, we know that in this city, this is the third most church city in the country. And Father, you know what that means. That means there's a whole lot of laborers sitting in a lot of churches. That the people, that you're good people that you intend to be laborers, that you are sending forth as laborers, that many of them, they're actually in churches. And so, Father, not that it's wrong for people to be in church. It's good to be in church. But we need to be sent. We need to go. We need to go into the neighborhoods. We need to go to the mall. We need to go to the schools. We need to go to the shelters. We need to go to the prisons. We need to go to the hospitals. We need to go, Father. We need to go to the, to the immigrants. We need to go, Father. And I pray that you would send us out and send out laborers in this community, send out laborers in these churches that are all in this area. Father, we pray you would send out laborers, but we also pray that you'd send out laborers in the nations to those that are unreached, to those who've never heard, to those that have been trapped in Islam, trapped in Hinduism, trapped in Buddhism. Father, I pray that you would send those that have been trapped in atheism, send laborers to them in Jesus' name. Send forth laborers all over the earth. Send forth your people to labor for the kingdom to bring in the precious fruit of the earth. We pray this tonight in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, that... You can't, you don't ever get done with that till the work is done. All right, so now let's turn in our Bibles to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1. And this is the next thing that the Lord gave me the other day. Again, not unfamiliar. And I'm going to read again in the Amplified Version. And it says, this is, as you know, one of Paul's prayers. There are four major prayers at least recorded. Ephesians 1. Or anyway, I won't go through that. You know where they are. You've heard me and heard us teach on these many times. Paul's major prayers. But anyway, here's one. And this is, um, this is, this is a scripture. These scriptures are really applicable to us today. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. I'll just start reading there. For I always pray. How often? He always prays to the Lord, to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. So this is something he prayed, and he prayed all the time. This is Paul praying for the church at Ephesus. This is how he prayed for the church. To be honest with you, this is what I pray for you more than any other thing. Is this right here? This is what I pray for you, because I'm telling you, what you need is really found in these verses. Whatever is going on with you will be covered with this. For he always prayed, so we always pray, I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation, listen to this, of insight into mysteries and secrets. Now, when you read words like mysteries and secrets, then you're like, ooh, wonder what that's about. Anybody get curious? Like, what are you talking about? Mystery? See, I want to know. I mean, some of y'all are like me. You're really nosy and you want to know. You want to know the secrets and the mysteries? How many How many just want to know? You want to be in the know? You don't want to, you know. I'm telling you, 
I don't know about y'all, but I live with a bunch of nosy people. And, you know, if they find out something that they didn't know and they were, they're like, what? Why didn't anybody tell me? And they're just all up at arms because they're very nosy. They want to know, especially if it's a mystery or a secret. But sometimes you read words like these and you think, oh, this is like God's going to reveal this thing out there to me. And it's like, what's really on the dark side of the moon? You know, or some other thing. And people, they have these <clears throat> revelations about things like this at times. That's not what he's talking about. God wants to grant us a spirit of wisdom and revelation of insight into mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of him. He wants to tell us secrets about him, about knowing him, about what's, what he's about, about what's on his heart, about what he's done, about how he conducts his affairs and the affairs of man. He wants us to have knowledge and insight into spiritual things into spiritual happenings, into the things of God. And, and this includes like God's power and how it flows and where it flows and why it flows and, 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 and the gospel and, and, the, and the mystery of the gospel that was hidden for so long, but it's now been revealed. He wants to reveal to us these kinds of mysteries and what that means for us. And then he wants to reveal to us his plans and purposes. You know, doesn't that make sense? I mean... People say, you know, you never know what God's going to do. But actually, God wants to reveal to you. Not only does his word tell us what he's going to do, but he wants to reveal even to you. He wants to reveal. He wants to, a, re, a revealing is a showing forth. He wants to reveal, to unveil, to show forth to you things that are mysterious to others and secret and hidden away. Things that God knows that he's doing and that he wants to do in you and through you and in the earth and through his people. He wants to show those things. And, G, and, and Paul writing here, he said, I'm praying that you'll catch hold of this. That a spirit of wisdom and revelation is going gonna, is gonna to overtake you. That you're going to be granted this and you'll have access to these mysteries and secrets. In the deep and intimate knowledge of him. And when I read those words, I, I just remember what Hebrews 8 says. We have a better covenant. It's established on better promises. And what makes this covenant so much better is that all shall know him. That every one of us, every person from the least to the greatest, we're all going to know him. And we won't need to look and say, oh, no, you're, you know, know the Lord. And we don't have to teach each person because the Holy Spirit himself inside of us is teaching us from within. The inward tutor we have our own cheat sheet, so to speak, on the inside. It's the Holy Spirit teaching us on the inside, tutoring us, interpreting for us what the Word says, what, what, it, what we're hearing around us. And He's giving us insight and wisdom as we hear from the Holy Spirit. That's so awesome. That's what He's doing in our lives. And that's, that's, this is what Paul's praying for. And then he goes on to say, by having, and he's kind of expounding on what, what this is going to, how this thing is going to happen. By having the eyes of your heart flooded with light. Now here's something I'd never seen. I just saw it. I've never seen this. But I've prayed many times these prayers. Like I told you, I can't, this, I can't even number the, fathom the times, numbers of times we prayed this for you and for us. And, but when I saw this, that he would enlighten our eyes. What I saw was this is that 
This spirit of wisdom and revelation, this insight that we need, is not going to come from heaven to us. He said here, the way this is going to happen is the eyes of our heart were going to be flooded with light. Now, what happens when you go into a dark room and you turn on the light? You see the, the what? The, the darkness, the darkness fleece? Let me ask you this. When you flip on the light and suddenly there's light, did anything come into the room that wasn't there before? No, except, you know, the light. But what was in the room is revealed. Isn't that right? The, what's in the room is revealed. Y'all, the stuff is already in us. But what we're praying is that, which makes sense because God, in, you know, God lives in us. The Holy Spirit is in us. So the, the wisdom and the revelation is already in us. He's basically praying that the light will come on and we can see what's in us. This already in us. We're not trying to get God to give us this thing that we so desperately need, that we're without, that we lack, that we're so empty of. No, it's already in us. Which makes big good sense with the rest of the revelation of who we are in Christ and who he's made us to be and what he's put in us, the new creation, the reality of who we are. It's already in us. We just need the light to come on so we can see what's in there. So that, I'm telling you, that's, that's awesome. What's in, so that's in you tonight. It's already in you. We just need the light to come on so you can see what's in you. The eyes of your heart will be flooded with light. There'll just be light come on. So we're not asking him to give us this something. We just need to see what's already there. Y'all, we don't have any idea really what God's put in us, in his people in us tonight so much of our our job is 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 pastors is just to help you to see how awesome what god is the awesome potential you have because of god who god has made you to be it's awesome it says by having the eyes of your heart flooded with light so that you can know when the light comes on you'll know hey look what's here so that you can know and understand the hope to which he has called you now the hope to which he's called us is definitely our position in Christ. The hope, you know, the hope we have in eternity. The hope that, um, you know, of our salvation, all that's entailed in that. But part of the hope to which he's called us is, is his hope, his plan for us fulfilling his mission in the earth. Us walking out the steps that he's ordained for us. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. The Lord had set steps that are set before us. And he wants us to know and understand those. This is what he's hoping we'll do and accomplish for the kingdom and in his name and for his glory. Here it is. He wants us to know that. And sadly, most laborers, most of the people in the kingdom walk around with no real knowledge of what it is God wants them to do. I mean, they have some general sense that I want my life to count. But y'all, God wants to show you specifically Here's what I've called you to do. And here are the people I've called you to, to minister to, to bring life to, to, to set free. This, this is it, the, to, to, to bring God to them, the fullness of him. 
by having the eyes of your heart flooded with light so that you can know and understand the hope to which he's called you and how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints. And again, I used to always read that and I would read it, how rich is his glorious inheritance. Somehow or another, in my mind, I made that how rich is the inheritance he's given me. You know what I mean? Because I know I have an inheritance and there's, he's given me some good stuff, right? And somehow or another, I would always read that and make it how rich is all the good stuff he's given me. But when you actually read the words, it doesn't say that. It says how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints. There's something in us that's incredibly valuable that is his inheritance in us. There's something about us that's, that he's put in us. There's something in this, these new creations that we are that's so valuable that it's, it's his glorious inheritance in the saints, his set-apart ones. And so that you can know and understand. Do you think God wants you to know tonight? Do you think God wants you to understand? You know how you walk around in a fog many days of your life? You know how you just kind of scratch your head and think, I know there's something, but I'm not sure what it is. Tonight, know from the scripture, it's God's will for you to understand. God actually wants, he's not trying to hide everything and cloak it and, you know, put it under a veil. No, he is revealing and showing forth so that you can know and understand And then it says, what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power in, his power in and for us who believe, as demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength. Boy, this is an awesome thing. So this is a prayer that Paul prayed. And he said he always prayed it. And I'll say to you, guess what? I always pray this too. And so we're going to pray this. So I just invite you, let's just take a minute here. Let's pray this together. You can just pray these words that you have in your Bible if you want. But let's just pray this together. Father, we just come before you and we just follow the example Paul gave us. And we pray once again. We pray the Father of glory. Hallelujah. That you would grant to all of us, all of your people that are here tonight, but all the people that are associated with Good News Church too, and all the people, Father, we pray that you would grant to us all a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we would have insight into the mysteries and the secrets, even that we would have deep and intimate knowledge. We, we, we would actually know that intimacy, that knowledge that you have, that we would know you. We would know your plans and your purposes, that we would know what you've called us to. We'd know the mission you have set before us. Father, that we would know how you want to work with us, where you want to work with us, who you want to work through, you know, and who you want us to work with. Father, that you would just give us the things that so often seem to be unclear. That you would bring clarity and that we would see, this is who God has made me to be. This is who God's called me to be. This is the direction that God has for me to to walk in. And this is how to do it. And this is what he wants me to say and where he wants me to go and how he's leading me. This is where he was positioning me. That we would have knowledge of these things. And you would assure us. We would know that we know through deep intimacy with you. We would come to know that we know that we know that this is how you're moving and how you're speaking and what you're doing through us and in us. Thank you for that. And Father, we pray that the eyes of our hearts will be flooded with light. We're not asking you to, to, to just do something um, that's not, that you haven't already been doing. You've already put within us great, great, great treasure 
spiritual treasure. And we ask, Father, that you just turn the light and flood, flood our hearts so that we can see, that we can see, Father, we can see what is actually within us so that we can know and understand the hope to which you've called us. Father, you've called every one of us to something. You've called every one of us to something that's valuable, something that's, oh my goodness, that the kingdom needs, that's part of your great plan in the earth to restore mankind to yourself. You've called us all to that. And I pray that we would all see the parts that we have, what, what role we'll play, and, and all that you've done to position us to play that role. And Father, that we would know how rich is your, your glorious inheritance in us, that we would, we would see the treasure, how valuable we are and our part is in your plan. You can't do without us. You need, you, you, you've put this awesome, oh my goodness, this awesome place, this, you've put us in these awesome places and position and, and, you, and you desire for us to fulfill what you've given us to do. That's your inheritance in us. And I, I pray tonight that we would see that, that we would see how valuable we are to your plan and your mission. We're not all just, you know, it doesn't matter. No, we all matter greatly in your plan. And so that we can know and understand what is hmm, the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of your power. Not just your power out there somewhere. Not just your power on our behalf, but your power that is within us. You have great power that you work within us who believe and for us. And it's the same that you demonstrated in the working of your mighty strength when you raised Jesus from the dead. Hallelujah. Thank you for that tonight. We thank you for the power of God in us. Thank you for the power of God on us and the power of God through us. That we are people of power. That signs and wonders and miracles are normal for us. Thank you for that, Father. We thank you that you're bringing that forth in our lives and you're helping us to see that that's what normal life is for people like us because we're born of God and the Holy Spirit lives within us and has come upon us. Hallelujah. Thank you for it tonight. Thank you for it. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, a couple couple more verses. In Philippians, if you have Philippians chapter 2... I don't, um, this is not, I'm going to read this. These are just the things that are, I feel like the Lord's been saying to me, so I'm just sharing them with you. This isn't particularly a prayer, but I, this is something that I, I've just been praying this and believe this is, goes right along with these. Philippians chapter 2, I'm reading in the New Living, verse 12 and 13. Dear friends, you have always followed my instructions when I was with you. They were a pretty good bunch. They, when, when Paul was there, they did what he said. They were obedient. You have always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it's even more important. And I think about that, you know, think about that with raising our kids. It was really important to me that our kids obey. Where I let them do, our kids had a great, great freedom as kids. Um, but... It was really important that whatever we did give them to do, that they obeyed it. But I like what he said here, and I know just what he means, just being, being a parent. In fact, when we weren't there, it was even more important that they would be obedient. You know, if you're disobedient when I'm there, 
and you're, you know, you're like um, throwing matches at each other, then I can intervene. <laughs> but, it, but if you're doing that when I'm not there, we really got a problem. You know what I'm saying? Our kids would um, do a thing where they would go up. There's a, a porch on one side of our pool. There's a, there's a, a porch that has a, um, it's like just one story. It's a, um, an overhang of, uh, what do you call it? Like a, a roof over the, the, it's a covered porch. So there's a roof there. And if you're upstairs, um, this is at my, my nan's house, my mom's house. If you go upstairs, you can climb out her window onto that roof. And then you can go down to the edge of the roof and then you can jump in the pool. So it's like a real high dive. And so the kids, you know, they, um, amongst themselves, they came up with this great plan that they, this would be awesome. Why don't we get out on the roof and jump off the roof into the pool? Well, they never told us they had this great plan. In fact, we never knew until years later that that was something that they did when we weren't there. That's bad. I'm just like, why were y'all doing that? That was just really foolish. But that's what they were doing. Thank God for God, right? But it's really important when you're not there that they obey you. And that's, that's, that's what he was saying here. Look, it's more important now that I'm away. You really need to be obedient. And, and you know, I understand this because even as pastors, I see you just a few, we see you just a few minutes a week if we even see you. Um, not that you're obeying me, you're obeying God. But, you know, when we leave out of here, we all, or we, none of us are leaving God. We need to be obedient to him. To what he says in the word and what he tells us by his spirit that aligns with the word. We need to be obedient to him. And then he goes on to say, work hard to show the results of your salvation. Now, we don't work hard for our salvation. Salvation is a free gift. It's by grace. It means it's free. You didn't earn it in any way, shape, or form. In fact, the truth is you did everything to disqualify yourself. <laughs> but it's a gift. Thank God. But... The results of your salvation, what will come in as a result of you being saved, there's a, there's a, a, a whole line or um, there's a whole um, avenue of development that you can apply yourself to, you can study, you can hear, you can, you know, spend time in his presence, spend time in prayer. You can apply yourself, you can build, you know, a faith community around you and and, and you can do things that will help you to grow. You don't, but you don't earn your salvation. But he says, work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. In verse 13, for God is working in you. This is, this is like so awesome because God is working in us. Giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So we're born again. That's a free gift. We just receive it by faith. We just believe what he said and trust him as our Savior. Make him our Lord. Say, I give you my life. And you make him the Lord, the one who gets to call the shots in your life. And then you endeavor to be obedient to your Lord. But meanwhile, while you're doing that, at the same time, he is within you. He's at work within you. It's what it says. For God is working in you. While you're endeavoring to be obedient to your Lord, he's working in you, actually giving you the desire to be obedient to him. And not just the desire, 
but he's giving you the power that you need to please him. I tell you, what a deal we have. He could have just said, I'm going to be the Lord and you submit to me and you obey me, which was perfectly reasonable for him to do because what a great gift it is just to save you and cleanse you from sins to make you a new creation. But he didn't just do that. Then when he has come inside of you, made you a new person, now he lives within you and he's in there and he's working. Do you know God is working in you? People sometimes sometimes talk about they're going through, you know, a dry season. They're in the wilderness. They have these kind of words. And I'm just wondering what is going on because God himself is working in you. The spirit of life is inside of you working in you. He's working in it. Whether you are, you know, aware of this or not, he's in there working. And what is he doing? He's giving you the desire to be obedient. So he doesn't expect us to, you know... Be obedient like sometimes, you know, our kids were where they, they did it. But you could tell they absolutely weren't willing. They might have been doing it, but there was no willingness involved. It was just you were a lot bigger than them or you held some kind of control that they, they weren't sure where they were else they could sleep tonight, so they were doing it. <laughs> but he's at the same time he's he's dealing with our willingness our desire giving us this desire to please him and not only the desire because a lot of times we have desires to do stuff but we don't do it well lots lots of us we went around tonight said what is it that you want you know i mean arlene's been very active in fpu and people getting you know out of debt a lot of people want to be out of debt they desire to be out of debt but there's no power to accompany that desire. So that's only part of what you need. You need the desire. But then you also need the power to do it. And it's not self-power. It's not willpower. It's his power. So he gives you the desire and the power. Boy, that's what you need. You know, if somebody came into FPU and you were coaching them through that and they wanted to get out of debt, and they had the desire to get out of debt, and they had the power to get out of debt, you think they could get out of debt? Because they have what they need. And in that same way, God is working in us, and he's giving us the desire to do what pleases him, and the power to do what pleases him. You think you can do what pleases him? Yeah, because you have both. He's working in you. So this is, for me, something that I really... Um, I always go back to this because so many of the things that we see in the scripture are admonitions from the Lord. We see the command of Jesus. We see, you know, Paul's writings, the second half of most of the epistles that Paul wrote are instructions to us, you know, about children being obedient and husbands loving their wives and and us all submitting to one another and, and, and to bear with one another and all these things he tells us to do, to do all things without complaining. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. He gives us instruction in the Word to do. And I look at those things, and it would be easy to be, you know, like, that's just a burden and a chore until I remember that, you know what's going on? Inside of me, God is working, and he's given me this desire. He's giving me a desire to honor my husband. He's giving me the desire to do all things without 
complaining. He's given me the desire to bear your burdens. He's given me the desire and the power to do it. So this is so necessary to us as life givers for us knowing that he has commissioned us to be his representatives to go in this earth and to make disciples and to share, preach the gospel and to work miracles, to lay hands on the sick, to cast out the devil, all the things he's told us to do, he's working in me, giving me the desire to do it and the power to do it. Hallelujah. So these things that God's bringing forth and he's, he's showing us as, as far as being his ambassadors and his representatives in the earth, it's not about you working up, oh yeah, I got to go do it, you know, I heard them say that. No, it's about God's working in you. He's working in us. So let's pray about this. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you that you are working in us tonight. You're working in your people. You're working in all of us. You're working in your people. Father, we thank you for that. Hallelujah. We yield to your work tonight. Your work in us and among us. Because you're working in us. Father, I have to tell you, it takes just the load off. That you are the one who's working in us and you're giving us all the desire to please you. Father, it is our heart's desire to be pleasing to you. It is our desire to do what pleases you. That's our aim in life. That's what our desire, that's where our joy comes from. To, to, to honor you and to bring glory to you and to please you. That is coming forth in us because you're working in us to produce that and you're also my goodness how how wonderful that you also are working in us and bringing forth the power to do it not just the desire that will go unfulfilled but you're bringing forth the power to do what pleases you that's coming up within us. We all, Father, we're not dependent on our own willpower. We're not only, we're not dependent on ourselves, on our own strength. We're not looking to our own means and our own abilities and our own methods and our own, um, our own flesh and our, and the strength of our flesh and the strength of our, you know, resolve. It's not about our own self-discipline. This is about you working in us empowering us to do what pleases you, to fulfill your plan and your mission and the things you've assigned for us, the things that will cause you to say, well done. You are working in us and giving us the desire to do those things. You're working in this church. You're working in the people of good news and you're working all through us. You're working in your body at large. You're working in, in your people and bringing forth the desire and the power to do what pleases you. Praise be to God. Thank you for that. Hallelujah. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We got, I got one last thing I'm going to squeeze in here, and it's in James chapter 5. And this is more of an admonition about these other three here. I told you none of this is like brand new rocket science type stuff. James chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 13 through 16 in the New Living. And I want you just to see this. Then we'll go home. It says in verse 13, Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Now I just want to remind you, the Bible says that when you're troubled, that's one translation, when you're suffering, you should pray. It doesn't say you should complain. It doesn't say you should call other people to pray. 
It doesn't say you should post on social media asking for prayer. It says you should pray. So if any of you are suffering hardships, and in time to time we all have challenges, you know what? how you respond to challenge? You pray. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. And uh, Brother Hagen used to say, you'll probably remember this. He used to say, how silly would it be if I had something really great happen, somebody gave me a really great gift, just something I really, really, really wanted, and it's just wonderful, and now I'm just all delighted and so happy. And then Matt is the one who got all happy and joyful and was singing and celebrating and not me. But when you, something good happens to you, you rejoice. And and so that would be silly, right? Well, in that same way, if you right here are happy, you would sing praises in the same way. If, if I'm suffering hardship, then my first thing is not to get Matt to pray. My first thing is for me to pray. If I'm happy, I'm going to sing praises. If I'm suffering, I'm going to pray. You see? Does this seem real simple? I just always thought that was, that was pretty simple and yet genius. Are any of you happy? Yes, then you should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call on the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. And, and this isn't, <coughs> just a little side note, this isn't like, you know, you, you feel a little funny, a little ill, you got something happened to you. This, this sick means you're bad off, so bad off, you're beyond helping yourself. Or any of you beyond helping yourself. That doesn't happen every day, every week, every month, every year. It doesn't happen very often in your life, but you are really in a point, you're just totally beyond helping yourself. But sometimes people are beyond helping themselves. And thank God when we do, when we ever have a situation like that, that we have this. We can call for the elders of the church, those that are spiritual, to come and to pray over us and to anoint us with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick. Praise God. And the Lord will make you well. And if you've committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. This is what I want you to see before we go. Go back to verse 13. The answer to hardships, when you're suffering hardships, the answer, your answer, your solution to that is to pray. And, and, the, and the context here is prayer will overcome hardships. And then it goes on to say in verse 14, if you're sick, you call, beyond helping yourself, you call the elders and they'll pray over you. In other words, when you're so sick, you can't even help yourself. Prayer will overcome sickness. Do you see that? Because that's what he said. Such a prayer will heal the sick. And then it says, if any of you have committed sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray. I want you to see this. Confession of sins and prayer overcomes sin. It says you'll be, it brings about, you know, the restoration, the, 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 the restoration, the healing, the being made right. So I want you to see that prayer, prayer overcomes hardship, 
prayer, uh, you know, the suffering, prayer overcomes sickness, it overcomes the shortcomings, the missing the mark, the failure that, uh, that the Bible calls sin. It, it overcomes all those things. Prayer is a good thing. Prayer is something we should practice. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is more Prayer overcomes hardship, overcomes sin, even habitual sin that goes on and on. Prayer overcomes situations where we're in over our head and we're beyond helping ourselves. Prayer overcomes that. Prayer relieves that. All of these things. Prayer relieves those things. Prayer is powerful. And you can pray. You have the right. You have, actually, yes, the privilege. That's the word I was looking for. I couldn't come up with it. The privilege to pray. You have the privilege of praying. You and me, because of what Jesus did for us. He's given us the right to approach God and, and, and pray. So look, look at what, y'all, look at what we have in prayer. We just take it so for granted, you know. We just whisper some prayers. Uh, I was um, talking with a man today that I met out and about. And he was telling me, yeah, I just, I used to, when I'd go to work, he said, I used to just say some prayers, just some prayer, some prayer, I just kind of mumble it to myself before I went to work. And he was telling me how God had been dealing with him and his prayer life had really changed. And he'd realized prayer was something now like, it was something else. It, it was like real before it was just some words he muttered. Y'all, prayer is real. It's dynamic. In fact, that's what he says. Look, he's saying the earnest prayer of a righteous man has great power. Well, I guess it does because it overcomes sin and it overcomes when you're sick so bad you can't even help yourself. It overcomes hardship. Prayer is powerful. And he's saying, look, just the earnest prayer of a righteous man, a righteous person, just a heartfelt prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So these things right here are things to pray about. Things, prayers you can pray. And this verse tells us, hey, it's worth doing. It's worth giving yourself to this. Because when you give yourself to this, it is going to have great power. And it's going to produce wonderful results. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Glory to God. Father, we just thank you for this tonight. Thank you for the revelation of prayer and what it'll produce in our lives and how it will enable us to overcome hardships and it'll enable us to overcome sickness, even when we're in so deep in sickness that we're beyond helping ourselves and sin and even, even sin that's habitual and that's just taking hold in our life. We confess that and we pray there is power released to us. Thank you, Father. For great power and wonderful results in Jesus' name. Amen. Good night. Love you guys.